and welcome to Escaping Kerberos, the podcast where we rewatch, reminisce, and review everything Doctor Who from 2005 to present. My name is Rich, and I'm joined by the one person I would happily be stuck in an escape pod with dying. It's Amy. Dying? Uh, it's, no. It, it's kind of like a sort of nice one, but also not because yeah. we're, we're gonna die. No. But we'll talk but, about we'll talk about banging in an escape pod in a bit. I was going to say. <laughs> because before we get on to the... I was about to say the word juicy. Maybe not juicy. But before we get on to the episode, which is 42 this time, um, a lot has happened in the Hooniverse yes. since we were last here. And, and most by of that, it in the last few days. Most, yeah, most of it within <laughs> the last, like, nine days. So, first of all, we had Legend of the Sea Devils. Yes. Um, which the review of that from me is on my YouTube channel. You might be on the YouTube channel right now watching the video version of this podcast. If you're on Anchor or you're on whatever your podcast platform is, search for Rich Hudson on YouTube. Go watch my review. It was an episode. That's about all yeah. I can tell you. Um, but no, it wasn't it was, bad, but it wasn't uh, it great. It wasn't bad, wasn't good. It was slap bang in the Fine. middle. Um, no, the main thing that we need to discuss today, the main things, is the 14th Doctor has been announced yes and that is shooty gatwa i am thrilled <laughs> i have not seen sex education on netflix which is what he's most known for he has won multiple awards including a scottish bafta for it it's literally the and only a, thing he's known for <laughs> yeah i know he's done a, a couple of other bits as well but that is like that is what he's known for hence why the dirty pig memes are just everywhere at the minute mm-hmm. um but you're excited about this casting anyway. i love it i mean his emotional range in sex education is just so profound. Like, he plays the funny best friend, but he also plays the emotionally devastated, and he also plays the, um, at like, heartbreakingly terrified, because if you haven't seen sex, sex education, highly recommend you go and watch it, because it's incredible. But his Shooty's character in Sex Education is called Eric, and Eric's character is a uh, gay character. Is Shooty gay in real life? Yes. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I believe he is. I believe he is too. Um, uh, his character Eric is gay, and he is struggling coming to kind of. He's terms struggling coming. With... Shut up. <laughs> struggling with coming to terms with um, the kind of balance between how he still inherits his kind of family culture of being African as well as being himself and being gay and being kind of in the modern world with how he portrays himself and he obviously at one point goes out in drag and there's this whole scene with like a bloke cat calling him from the car thinking he's a woman and then he goes oh you got a penis miss and stuff like that and it's really like emotionally kind of heart-wrenching because like all these sorts of things happen and sex education is just so incredible like I literally can't talk about it enough I mean yeah okay there's always going to be stuff about to criticize about any tv show that you watch but sex education is so big because it's a sex education show but it does it in a way that literally is like so enthralling to watch like you're learning without realizing you're learning but it's not like a here's an educational point it's basically like it tells it through humor it tells it through character arcs it tells it through story development and like relationships and family relationships and just all sorts of like incredible things 
and I highly, highly recommend you watch it. It's just had season two, like, um, like season two is out on Netflix. I believe season three must have finished filming by now because of Shooty's been cast in Doctor Who, and also one of the other characters was in Bridgerton on Netflix. So I think they've probably finished filming season three, which I believe is going to be the last series. So if you're going to watch sense. it, get on that because. Yeah the whole cast is just incredible but shooty especially just it's just funny like it's a really really funny great show with such incredible characters and i love it and i can't say enough good words about it <laughs> and yeah, so i'm really it, excited for him that is who russell has picked to be his first doctor back since david tennant and speaking of david tennant e- he's back he's back as well e- which is it's 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 mad so uh, it was a, a week last Sunday that Shooty Gap was announced as the Doctor just as a tweet, and everyone was like, it was a tweet? Why? What? And then in, a, in, a, in like an absolutely amazing, like uh, a fantastic way of doing it, is that it turned out that like, that night was the BAFTAs, the, the TV BAFTAs, and on the red carpet there's Russell T. Davies and Shooty Gap were together. No other celebrity got a, like, got a look in Mm-mm. with the press. They were just all over them of like oh my god yeah. you're playing the doctor so the first black uh actor to play the, the the title role of the doctor because obviously we have got joe martin as the fugitive yes. doctor in series 12 and 13 um obviously the i don't want to say that the, the truthfulness of that doctor character yet we still kind of don't know yeah um but anyway not the point um, well, also, no, we kind of do know the truthfulness of her. She was a previous incarnation of the Doctor's yeah, lives. So, but not that... The, anyway, that... I know what you mean. There's, yeah. there's, there's, that's a whole other conversation to have at some point in the future about the legitimacy of all of that stuff. And we've still, yeah. got, a, we've still got a special to go with Jodie and Chris mm-hmm. uh, coming at some point in autumn or October, apparently. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, David Tennant is coming back. Um, yes. And... Alongside him is Catherine Tate as Donna. Woohoo! And when I saw when I, when when they announced it, this was the this was the week after um, Shooting Gatwa's announcement. It said, you know, uh, David Tennant, Catherine Tate coming back to Doctor Who, and it's kind of like it's 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 weird. It's like I should have been more excited, but in reality, it's not the first time we've heard this because they've done a lot of big finish together. So when mm-hmm. they say he's coming back to Doctor Who, it's like, yeah, but. In what respect? What do you mean? And then when it's like, no, he's coming back to the show, like the series. It's like, oh, okay. That's a whole different kettle of fish. So David and Catherine are back. And literally as of, um, was it Monday? It was Monday. Monday, they started shooting in Camden. Yes. And... For context, it is currently Wednesday, the 18th of May. It is currently Wednesday. Um, They started shooting in Camden together. So there were people who were... Um, like some, it was like somebody on Twitter whose friend works in an office overlooking a street that was blocked off by Bad Wolf Productions because the production company's been handed off entirely to to yes. Russell from the BBC, yes. which is a, f- a very interesting oh. development. I've got, a, I've got basically, I've got. A, if you are watching this on YouTube and you watch my YouTube content, I have a script. I've been working on a video. The thing about not having time to do stuff like super on the fly with YouTube, I my my stuff is very late to the party. I've got a whole thing discussing all of that, but anyway. Um, uh, all these all these set leaks have been happening. We're seeing David Tennant and Catherine Tate. David's back in his costume. His hair is spiky again. He's wearing like a different coat, though, isn't different he? Different suit, different coat. Yeah. Um, his hair is actually spiked up. It's not down like it was in Day of the Doctor when he was last in Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, Catherine Tate's back. She looks like 
Catherine, Catherine Tate. Tate. Um, and then <laughs> that Monday, because uh, people were like, oh my God, it's two Sundays in a row and you've announced two things. And then Russell cryptically, I say cryptically, said on Instagram, oh, I like my announcement on Mondays as well. So on Monday, that day, when all these set leaks were happening, so much stuff was going on. Like people were like, what is this big announcement going to be? They've been teasing all these things with emojis. Shooty Gatron and yeah. uh, Russell T. Davies both posting uh, the two hearts plus a blue box emoji everywhere. And then there's two hearts plus a diamond, which is what we use which was what was used to announce for the diamond anniversary of the show, the 60 years with David and Catherine, because supposedly what all this stuff is Monday, Yasmin Finney posted on Instagram, two hearts plus a rose. Mm-hmm. Oh no, not two hearts, a rose no, plus, it was a rose rose plus, plus a blue, blue diamond. diamond. Um, and people were like, rose? As in ro- rose, rose? But yes, but no, but yes, but no. So Yasmin Finney is a transgender actress. Yes. Who is in uh what's the series called again heartstopper heartstopper there's so Which, many sing- there's so many single like single word yeah, series yeah. is at the moment that i just can't get my head around which i need to watch because i watched the trailer for it earlier and it literally looks like my cup of tea yeah and she's apparently absolutely fantastic in that and then that monday night she was announced as joining the cast for for the 60th anniversary thing because They've been using squares and diamonds in these emoji things, and the diamond means the anniversary. Her post was a diamond, so it's a, it's something to do with the 60th. And lo and behold, on Tuesday shooting, there on set on the same street was Yasmin Finney alongside mm-hmm. David Tennant, Catherine Tate, Bernard Cribbins, who I called Bibbins the other day as, by accident. As Wilf, <laughs> Wilf is back, which is great because let's I love face him. it. Uh, good old Bernard hasn't got that long left on this earth. They need to no. get him back in now. I think he, he was in a he was, wheelchair. He was in a wheelchair on set. On set. And it was also, um, I can't remember their names, but we do have Sylvia Noble, so mm-hmm. Donna's mum, and also Sean, Donna's husband, who she marries at the end of end of time. Yeah. Um, and there were lots of musings going around, uh, you know, with Yasmin Finney being a black trans actress, playing, you know, obviously playing a woman in the show, as to how this dynamic was going to work. And most of the theories has been that it's Donna and Sean's daughter. Mm-hmm. Because who is Sean, also called Rose. Who is also called Rose. Um, and it's, again, we think it's something to do with, like, Rose's name being in the back of Donna's mind. Obviously, she's Probably. Donna. Donna and Rose's dynamic will discuss on Escaping Constabulous when we get to Turn Left, uh, which is in the next series of the show. <gasps> um, and the, the name is supposedly there. So it's like, people have been a bit up in arms about her playing Rose. It's like, yeah, but she's not playing... Rose. Rose. They're not recasting Rose Tyler. Come on. No. Um, or at least we don't think they are. Um, I highly doubt it. I don't think Russell would do that. I think that no. would be a very stupid move on his part. But basically that was pretty much confirmed when, um, because the people were coming to, like people were flocking Camden. Like I've seen so many people on Twitter um, who are like Doctor Who fans who have just gone, should I go to Camden today? Here we go. Yeah, and there they are taking pictures of David Tennant. Uh, Russell T. Davies was there. Rachel Talalay is there. She's supposedly Rachel Talalay? De- Rachel Talalay is probably the best director that the, that the new Who has had. Oh. Um, she's directed some absolutely astonishing episodes. All I need to say is uh, Heaven Sent. Oh, okay, fair. There you go. Fair. Um, she's directed some amazing stuff. So the fact that Rachel Talalay was there as well just makes everyone go, oh my God. This mm-hmm. is Russell's back, David's back, it Donna's back. You've got Yasmin Finney in, Rachel Talalay's in. Amy, am I dreaming? It feels like we are. Like, genuinely, it feels like Russell has come in and he's gone, 
do you know what, friends? I am sorry. <laughs> and, he, and he's been like, I'm sorry for ever leaving this show. And I yeah. am sorry for the mess you've had to endure over the past few years. So here's all these incredible announcements that I'm going to bring back to the table just to grind it in Chibnall's teeth that I am still the best showrunner this show yeah. has ever had. And it, here's incredible announcements that you're all going to absolutely adore. And I'm literally, I'm here for it. Like my life feels like we're back in 2005. It's, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. Like seeing these videos, seeing these pictures on set and it's like, this is really happening. Mm-hmm. Like it, it feels so different to the the fiftieth. Yeah. Like it, it just it does. Like the fiftieth was massive, and you know we went to the cinema in Coventry to see it, and it was it was fantastic being in the cinema and got the reactions of seeing, you know, archive footage of certain doctors, the first look at um, Peter Capaldi, mm-hmm. uh, and his eyebrows like that sent gotcha. the, the theatre into overdrive the curator coming back tom baker being back like that that was all amazing but this like because of it's like you know i've been very vocal in my thoughts about the chibnall era it's kind yeah, of as have it's I. kind of my job it literally was my job uh it wasn't mine i just have ago. strong opinions i still do it now because <laughs> i can um and it has its pros, it has its cons, but it definitely feels like the BBC have acknowledged the fact that they were like, okay, this hasn't worked. Ratings uh, plummeted. We are yeah, sorry. Yeah, the ratings completely crapped the bed. And we're going to try, we're going to be like, right, how can we fix this? They, they don't want to, they don't want to bin off who. Like this happened in, 19, this happened in 1988, 1989. You know, the ratings were down the toilet mm-hmm. and they went, ah, do not screw it. And they can it. And it's like nowadays with, with social media and stuff, they know they can't do that. Because if they do, it's like... You've got already people saying defund the BBC. You don't want the Whovians saying the same thing as well, do you? Yeah. Because there's a lot of us. So they've really gone, do you know what? Okay, we'll get Russell back because, you know, for all of you who love Moffat, I get that. I don't hate Moffat. But no, neither do I. It's not Russell. No. They get Russell back. If they got Moffat back, I'd have probably, I'd, I'd have been not as much excited, but still like, okay, that's still good. But like, mm-hmm. because it's Russell coming back, because we know that he is so good. His ear of the show is undoubtedly the best. I don't feel that you can question that. I I know that no. I I don't want to be putting opinions in people's mouths, but genuinely, I don't what? think you can question that. Yeah. Um, and I've forgotten my point. I'm just you, I'm gushing about yeah. Russell. I am really really interested to see what Russell does with this new look that Doctor Who has now. Like the production that Doctor Who has had over the last couple of years has been far, far better than anything we've seen. Obviously, that comes in advancement of technology and that kind of stuff. But I'm really excited to see the leaps that Russell takes this show with the new look that it's got because I think he will just be incredible and the cinematography will be incredible and it will just be used to demonstrate his just complete and utter genius, like, a little bit more. Um, However, we're going to just push aside the fact that the doctor did a front flip and some sea creature leapt like 50 feet in the air in the last episode because oh, when man. i say technologically advanced i don't mean awful cgi i mean However, the production production is changing again it is going into the hands of bad wolf and millennium, yeah. millennium effects are back uh, which a lot of people are happy about and i'm like okay that's fine but which i don't was millennium effects millennium effects did, did basically everything up till the chibnall era Right. Um, DNEG, double negative. They have been doing it for the Chibnall era. And I, I still stand by the CGI's look the best mm. during 
with DNEG. Like, I would love to see the pairing of Russell with Bad Wolf and DNEG going mm-hmm. into this new era. Um, it feels like the best of both worlds. The, the music is up for debate as well. And people are saying, can we get, like, are we just going back to how it was? Can we get Murray Gold back? And I'm like, no. No. Sega Nakanoda's I- work was really good. I really enjoyed it. But, and Murray's stuff just got so old. I like do. This, there, there, there is some absolutely fantastic Murray Gold work in the early series of Who, but as it got through to the Capaldi era, it was stale as hell. Mm-hmm. I do think so. that the music is, it's still great. Like I've not had any qualms with the music in the new series because realistically, like music is, I feel like the music has always been good throughout Who. What makes it, what makes it bad is the stuff that goes on top of that. <laughs> yeah pretty much and like i said my my criticisms of murray gold over the last over his last years was just the constant overuse of the of the same theme the, song yeah mm-hmm. the doctor's theme for the matt smith and the doctor's theme for for capaldi were just yeah. so overused i really really disliked it anyway um so that's unless i've missed something i don't think i have that's basically so. all the stuff that's been happening there's not been anything happening in camden today as far as i know um but we're not entirely sure what we're seeing Shooty as the 14th Doctor, uh, but we know that we've got David Tennant, Catherine Tate, Bernard Cribbins, and Yasmin Finney in the 60th, recording scenes for the 60th, how it pans out. Like, people are saying, is it the Doctor, is it Jodie into David into Shooty? Is it something like that? Yeah, because That's I'm... the thing that people are questioning I... and, and stuff like that. We, we, do, we don't know, and as much as we can sit here and do theories, that's not why we're here. Yeah, no, my my speculation would probably be closer to it will be Jodie and Tashuti, but the storyline will involve him going back through something or another that requires him to be David again. I presume, like, I just... But I would imagine that we would be seeing Shooty probably around, like, the 60th, if not in the 60th. I think it is going to be the 60th. he's obviously not coming into play until before... Like, he's obviously not coming into play before the 60th. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do a very Capaldi-esque kind of reveal where they go, no, like, you know how they went, no, all 13, and then showed his eyebrows. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something similar to that kind of reveal with Shooty, to be honest. Like, I think it will be incredible, and I'm really excited. So that's a bit of housekeeping to catch up on the stuff that's happened since we were last here. And yeah, it's, it's a lot. Like, it's crazy. It's so exciting to see what happens. And I said this on Twitter that I feel bad for Jodie because, I mean, I say that anyway, but now, unfortunately, no one's really going to be looking at uh, her last special. Everyone's going to be looking way over the top of that, way past it and just ignoring it, which is a shame. I mean, I'll watch it. uh, uh, Assumedly, I say assumedly, apparently Russell said on Twitter, on Twitter, on Instagram, that there is a surprise in... Jody's last special that right. he knows of that is like big, like okay. big, big surprise. The fact that we had Ace and Tegan appearing in the next time, we had no idea that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that's still big, even though I didn't recognize Tegan at first. Whoops. Um, yeah. There's apparently there's something that's going to happen in that special that's going to be absolutely massive. So we've got that to look forward to at least. So that's going to be at some point later this year. But speaking mm-hmm. of the Chibnall era, let's go back in time. To the 19th of May 2007, we had both just turned oh my God. 12. Also, we're literally like a day out by like how many years? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. That's... It's the 18th of May 2022 and this was 19th of May 2007. We're 15 years 
and a day mm-hmm. since that episode. Crikey. Wow. But yeah, it's 42 time, written by current incumbent showrunner Chris Chibnall, his first episode for Doctor Who. Which was not terrible. <laughs> no. Not, I mean, we'll get to the overall feelings. That not is... Not terrible, but... <laughs> Yeah, and there are there is a question I've already seen on Twitter about like whether we look at this episode differently because of the fact it's Chibnall, right? I and see. Do you know what? Let, let's just let's get on with that one straight away. Okay. What, why not? Why not? So Darcy asked on Twitter, "Do you look at this episode any differently after watching Chris Chibnall as a showrunner?" Um. Do you know what? I'm not sure I do. No. As much as I don't enjoy Chibnall's current uh, running of the show. Um, (laughs) I feel like this one is different because he, well, first of all, he probably would have, like, come up with the concept and he probably would have written a chunk, huge chunk of it but there would have been input from Russell at the time. There would have been edits of the scripts. There would have been some slight changes. There would have been showrunner input. So Chibnall being a guest writer is far more watered down than the Chibnall we have now. Um, So I don't feel like I look at this episode any differently because, well, A, I've already seen the episode a bunch of times. Mm -hmm. And so... The episode is the episode. Like, up until this point, I've watched that episode not having a clue who Chris Chibnall really is. And so, for me to watch the episode now and look on it as if it's Chris Chibnall, I don't feel like it changes much because it's still within the Russell era. And so, I still can't, as much as it's not a Russell concept, it is still a Russell produced episode. Um, So, I don't feel like it changes much for me because the episode is still just kind of. I wouldn't say it's particularly great and up there with, like, anything that is top-notch Doctor Who, but I also wouldn't say I dislike watching it. Um, it's it's one of those episodes that's fine. It's a bit of a, a, yeah, bit I of mean, a filler episode. I think it's a little bit better than fine, because there have been some episodes that have just been flatline fine, yeah. and I don't care for them, but... This one I don't dis- like dislike watching. I mean, I enjoy the kind of concept of being picked off one by one. I enjoy the sort of... I feel like it's one of those episodes where a lot happens, but not a lot happens. But yeah. it's not in a bad way so much as some of them are. Um, it's not It's not egregious chibnall. No. And you're, you're right that it's, yeah. it's filtered through... Russell, who obviously was showrunner at the time, and and this was this was Chibnall's first ever Doctor Who episode. You know, he wasn't gonna like happily cock it up. Mm-hmm. It's his first. A, this is writing for the show that, as much as you know, you almost think very differently with how he's been running the show. He he's he's such a big fan of Doctor Who. He loves yeah. it. Um, and you know, you get your first opportunity doing that. You'd really make sure that every little thing is like perfect for your mm-hmm. debut as as the writer. So, 42 for me, it's, it, there, there, is, there are definitely, like, echoes of the future Chibnall we have. Mm-hmm. And I, it was more that I was, I was looking out for them because, like, 
re-watching it now, I would say, yes, I was analysing it differently, looking at it from a lens of seeing what his future work is like. It's kind of like watching Moffat's stuff. As much as Moffat's, yeah. Moffat's bad stuff was still bad, but nowhere near on the level of how Chibnall's stuff went. Mm-hmm. So you'd still look at it in a slightly different way. Um, but for, for 42, watching it and seeing, okay, there are moments of slow like everything ramps down and it's just talking mm-hmm. and i get that the thing about this episode is you could turn around and say it the pacing is just all go and it's as you say a lot of stuff happens but nothing happens yeah. legend of the sea devils mm-hmm. literally the same thing loads of stuff happens and yet nothing happens mm-hmm. um you get flung into the the action and admittedly that's the point it's 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 as near near as damn it to real time of 42 minutes it's not exact because yeah yeah a doctor episode is 45 minutes at least in this era and having three minutes for titles, next times, credits, and also, you know, establishing yeah. it, not enough time. So there, there is a bit of an ellipsis of time going. Um, but there are moments when things get toned down and they, they talk. And mm-hmm. there are lines of dialogue the Doctor says. They're, they're jokey lines of dialogue. But, like, you told him and uh, go on, my son, and stuff like that. And it's like, it, it, it doesn't, it feels like the Doctor, like those, not, not, entirely but those little snippets it's like that's that's somebody else that's yeah. somebody else speaking through david tennant's face and it's a little bit weird but mm. the, yeah there are points where you have dialogue like when the doctor's like oh my god you need to take me to medbay now i've been infected by the sun you need to freeze me and martha's just there like talking to him it's like yeah. martha stop channeling future jody and actually do something yeah please. there was a, it was the bit when he was in the stasis chamber yeah. And he was laying there like, you need to get it out of me, quick, freeze me. And she's like, calm down, breathe. Martha, just turn the bloody machine on and stop pissing about. But it, on <laughs> in his defence at that point in time, that's technically Chris actually using a companion's backstory to their like mm-hmm. narrative advantage, advantage yeah. in the show. she's a doctor. Which literally doesn't happen with Yaz, who's a police officer. Literally doesn't so, yeah. happen with Yaz ever. And we know nothing about Yaz, despite the fact that she's been a companion for like three four years now yeah so that's the want thing. to cry anyway. the other the other thing that for me in this episode like in terms of the, the wider stuff i've got some little bits and pieces i want to i want to talk to you about about this mm-hmm. episode but one the other thing that that it's like the most memorable thing about this episode i would argue that when you go back and watch it again you realize oh this is barely flipping relevant anymore i thought it was way more relevant were the pub quiz questions yeah i thought that was a really clever idea mm-hmm. and it's like i kind of wish that they'd established why the questions are in place a little bit earlier yeah because they do actually acknowledge it because it's the thing i was thinking of it's like i want to know why they lock all the doors and they've got questions behind it because i can't remember and mm-hmm. they do obviously say because if they get hijacked they need to make sure they can't get to the bridge and stuff and it's like okay that's actually clever i kind of wish they'd established that beforehand but you get what two questions yeah of it three happening. maybe two, que- get- two questions with time and then one in passing and then it's irrelevant for the rest of it. Yeah. And it's like, I know that there's the threat of the sun monster. You've got Martha and what's it being jettisoned and the doctor trying to McDonald? rescue them. No, was that the captain? No, that's the captain. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't remember, remember what name. he was called. Blend out. And then, <laughs> and, and then you've got and the quiz questions. Is just, they're not relevant. And it's like, I, yeah. I always, I almost feel like it would have been so much more, Doctor Who to make it so that the as much as you've got a big monster running around, as, it's almost like a really interesting change of pace. You've got the monster running around, you've got like the crew being picked off one by one, 
but I and the doctor getting infected as well and, and like losing him to actually solve the issue which is obviously it's not an unknown quantity in, in mm-hmm. Doctor Who storytelling nowadays that the doctor gets put out for a bit Christmas Invasion he's barely in it yeah um, why couldn't they have made like the crux of the episode uh, like a bastard hard pub quiz question yeah that would have been like because then it would have ramped the tension up a little bit more and you can see the timer counting down and you can hear it going five minutes to impact or something and then yeah. they are so stuck on this question i mean they tried to do it with the elvis versus the beatles um, but obviously that was a it was a clever callback to uh eccleston's doctor souping up rose's phone but it's, yeah. a, it's a get out of jail free card, mm-hmm. which admittedly, again, in itself, it starts to set up more of the um, the end game of the series yeah. with the people tapping Martha's mum's phone. Um, and actually, one of the little details I was going to mention to you. Mm-hmm. And I noticed, I, I obviously, I've spotted this before and I never really thought about it until watching it now. Whereas the Doctor has, like, it's amazing how eccleston's doctor has the perfect size battery pack thing to stick in the back of a nokia 3310 or whatever it yeah. is that rose has got <laughs> to make it work across the universe time and space and whatever and yet the 10th doctor 10th t- doctor just sonics it yeah and i thought okay that's that's interesting maybe he's mm. looked in his pockets and thought hmm, i can't seem to cater for a motorola razor uh i'm a bit stuffed on this one but then i thought maybe it's the case that the doctors thought, okay, this is the first time the doctor's been involved with like cell phones and stuff in his time. At least the mm-hmm. time we've seen with him on, on TV. So obviously prior to that, it was 96. I've watched the movie once. I can't remember if there's any cell phones in it. There probably before wasn't. Before that, 1989, so no. And uh, it's like, because he's going to be meeting more people because he's like sticking to the, like our present time on Earth smartphones and phones are a thing he's like maybe i need to upgrade my sonic to work with phones yeah he probably so maybe I that mean, could explain why it's just probably Sonic's just it. a progression of technology like oh absolutely know, the, the jump from rose's phone at the start of ser- the new who series to martha's phone like two series later is probably i mean you've seen it like you said go from like a nokia brick to a motorola razor or whatever the hell phone it is she has um, I think it's a razor. I don't see why it's, it's, some, two, it's a flip it's phone of some description. It's two thousand and seven. Like everyone had a Motorola. Oh razor yeah, I had a Motorola me. razor. I did have a Motorola razor. Yeah, I, I had scrub. my mum's old one. <laughs> Let us know in the comments or on Twitter if you had a Motorola razor, mm-hmm. and did you buy the new one? <laughs> no, ew. No. Um, but anyway, touchscreen always good. Yeah, so I'm not surprised that they kind of just made it like a Sonic feature because i mean nowadays you can't even take the batteries out of phones so <laughs> remember that dropping your phone the back comes off and the battery comes out yeah oh, i've got to turn my phone on again oh for god's sake Gutted. oh man to be back in 2007 my goodness but yeah like back to the point in hand i kind of wish that this this quiz question became this um became the crux of the episode like this 50 50 chance of mm-hmm. getting it right getting it wrong and everything screwed being chased by a monster that's a given in doctor who yeah and it's like they could have made it really interesting and it even made it so it became more excruciating because i like how they they framed the beatles and um elvis presley as classical music and it's like what if they did a question that was so glaringly obvious in 2007 mm-hmm. and Something about S Club 7 or like... <laughs> I was thinking they could do something about Harold Saxon. Yeah, that's true. Who was elected... Like when when 
Martha's mum says it's election day mm-hmm. and it's like what if they lent into that even more so and was like who was nominated who was like elected prime minister on the 19th of May 2007 yeah I would say they couldn't have done that because they had to actually uh, delay 42 and then subsequently the rest of the series by a week because of bastard Eurovision uh- <laughs> Got so people it. people whinge about series seven of Doctor Who being split into two because of Sherlock in the middle. It's like series three got split into two because of bloody Eurovision. Absolutely gutted. Honestly, that's Yo. more gutting than when England came second. Anyway, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't watch Eurovision. I just I, I keep up with the memes. Yo. But yeah, anyway. I, 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 the quiz questions are so like omnipresent, and then they just disappear. It's like mm. that. That sounds strangely familiar to how things happen nowadays. I feel like it was quite... um, Yeah, like... They basically just... I don't even know what... Like, my brain is not fathoming this thing. My thought process here, why I'm umming and ahhing so much, is I feel like they kind of cut it off by sending them into the escape pod to give us the setup for Martha's mum's phone being hijacked, not hijacked, into, what's the word I'm looking for? Intercepted. Yeah. Um, For her phone being intercepted when I feel like maybe they could have done it a bit differently, but obviously they wanted to set up the fact that they they were calling a lot and... But I do feel like they cut off the quiz question thing too early because if they'd have brought it back a bit more later on um with the two lads then they could have had it to be a bit more because she's uh the captain's off distracting Cor- corwin 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 yes i yeah, wanted corwin. to say yeah i wanted to say corvin but it's not it's corwin isn't it um she's off distracting corwin ashton is just gone dead kaput. yeah he just disappears because that's really strange like they tried to freeze corwin and it worked to an extent and then stopped and yet she put him in the stasis chamber froze him and then all of a sudden he's just gone it's not even in the room he's just unless he was in the shots of david tennington there but i don't think he was no he's not because i was looking for him i literally was like hang on a minute wasn't ashton in the stasis chamber and then all of a sudden he's not anymore all they had to do when they dragged the doctor up there was just pull a corpse his body out of the, in the side, yeah. Out of the out of the chamber and, and chuck in the doctor. Like it wasn't hard to give that a bit more uh no. context. But, but yeah, um, so there's there's definitely a few things where, as we've said, a lot happens and then not much happens. And you get these distractions. You get Martha and Matey in the escape pod. Uh you get um They totally should have banged. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, like you get the two um the the, the uh, the sun creature going into Ashton as well, and then Ashton disappearing, and all that sort of stuff. It's like it's there's a it's a bit of a mess. It's not. It's like it. It sounds conceptually like a focused plot, like concept, mm-hmm. but it it just gets a bit more muddled as things go. It's I, I was I would normally question this idea as like usually when the Doctor just rocks up somewhere, irrelevant of whether they're like what stage or what state the crew the ship the planet whatever it's in normally the doctor normally the doctor can't just pull rank and yet here mm-hmm. he does admittedly yeah. they're 42 minutes from death so that would explain 
I'd assume explain why no one seems to question it. Mm-hmm. It's like if the doctor shows that he can be of help, that's probably why they trust him straight away. Apart from Ashton, before he gets turned, that he's like, I only take my orders from the captain. Screw you. That um, wasn't Ashton. Yes, it that, was. No, that was the other guy. The guy who's alive at the end, not the one in the pub with Martha. That was the other no, guy. No, that was Ashton. No, I'm pretty sure it was the other guy. The bald one. No. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought that was him who said that. No, I don't think so. Okay, either way. Um, but yeah, so there, there is that element that you could potentially look at and go, eh, that's not really... Yeah, normally people question that more, but again, they're, they're very close to death. I was going to say, if, so you, on, if somebody so... turns up when you're 42 minutes away from dying and goes, I'm pretty sure I can fix this, and you've all just got to listen to me, you're not exactly going to turn around and be like, hang on a minute, what gives you the authority? And like, you're as, just going to be like, okay, sure. As much as there is the, the aspect of the Doctor being infected by the sun, which actually reveals what happened, what uh, McDonald did to make the sun so angry and, and, and infiltrate the ship, it's weird to think that when the Doctor's interrogating her, grilling her in the uh, med bay, that even at this point, you know, 20 minutes, 10 minutes from death, does she not just admit it? Yeah, you would think, because I like, would... If she, if it were if it's illegal, which it is, the the, the plasma scoop, whatever they called it, plasma um, scoop, it was something like that. Yeah, fusion, fusion scoop or something. Um, like even if they got out of it, the doctor. Like, obviously, I know she doesn't know who the doctor is, but the doctor's not going to like dob her in for it. He lets Lady Christina D'Souza escape in Planet of the Dead. So mm-hmm. why does the doctor care? I mean, but it's weird yeah. to think that she doesn't actually just admit it. So she because she knows. Yeah. As much as she still wears it when she's when she's like, no, I don't know anything. You can see that there is something. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like if you were that close to crashing into the sun and there was this raging sun monster that you full well knew had killed your husband and was plodding around killing your crew, you would just be like, bro, I, f- I messed up. Like, I'm really sorry, but this is what I did. I fix it. <laughs> Because at that point in time, it's like, what have you got to lose? As far no, your as your options aware, are either prison as, or death. As far as you're aware, you're dead. Yeah. So basically, what difference does it make? And then, it, and she, you know, she jettisons herself with her husband anyway, and you know, Ashton just disappears. Yeah. And then the you, quiz questions get relayed to like nothing. Mm-hmm. So apart from, it, what's your favorite color, orange or purple? It's purple, apparently. Yeah, well. So something that has been mentioned in on the questions on Twitter, but also just it's a general thing. And looking at it, you can you can very much see why. I think it's uh, yes. Jay mentioned on Twitter that uh, the, the the design, the whole aesthetic of this episode is very very similar to uh, the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. Which I uh, always get confused. Uh, he asks specifically, do you think the set design for the episode should have been different? Not many people remember this episode. And again, every time we talk about it, when, when, when we were getting around to doing the podcast and you're asking what episode it is, and I say 42 and you go, which one? Huh? I'm like, the quiz questions and the sun. Oh, yeah. Because they do, they, they very much meld into one. Yeah. But the reasoning I mean, for that is because apparently this was going to be set in the same era as... Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit, hence why the aesthetic is so similar. Apparently, Ood were considered for the script. I think that might have been one of, like, um, Russell's, like, tick boxes for Chibnall. Like, you've got to do... It's got to be... Aesthetically, it's got to be like this. And Mm -hmm. Ood have to be in there. But actually, no, scrap that. Don't worry about that. But, like, 
yeah, that was apparently what was uh, what the plan was. Hence why aesthetically it looks so similar. Hence why the spacesuit is the exact same painted red. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like I always get them confused. Like literally every single time, no matter whenever we're talking about it, if we're talking about the same pit, the Impossible Planet, or if we're talking about Forty Two, I'm like, which one's the one with the burn with me, and which one's the one with the ood? Like yeah. I'm forever getting them confused. And so it's not just you. Is it Jay? Is that who said it was? Jay on yes. Twitter. It's yes. not just you, Jay, on Twitter. It is quite literally everybody gets these two confused. There were some reused things, like the stasis chamber was the same one, the same as the MRI machine used in Smith and Jones. They just painted that red as well. And yeah. one of the right, this is something I noticed in this, and it's it's like it's a given, but sometimes they manage to mask it, they manage to hide it quite well when they're actually acting. So the, the panels on the walls, like the screens and stuff, you know how you've got like the big touchpad with the keys on it and blah, 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 blah. And then beneath it, there's some little displays saying like, here's some random numbers and gobbledygook on all these panels around the ship. That's like one display behind like a shroud. Yeah. That they, when they've obviously designed and put the graphics onto the display, they've made it so it's like separated out, but it looks like loads of different screens. Anyway, um, in this episode, it's the it's the most I've noticed it in Doctor Who, and I can really keep on top of it now and see if I can see it anywhere else. It's that you know when you're a kid and you get your first ever t- like flat screen display. I remember when I had my old PC going from a big old CRT playing Roddy mm-hmm. Tycoon Two to having a flat screen and being like, oh my god, my I have one of those horrible um, metal computer yeah. desks with the slide out keyboard tray. Yeah. I can't imagine anything worse nowadays. Good God. No. But like, I remember having going to my first ever flat screen and being like, it's, Oh my God, there's so much space. And you know, you put, you, you know, you have to give your first screen a little poke and you can see all the colors go weird mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You see that so much in this episode, you know, big gloved hands yeah. from Ashton and then all the other cast doing it. And you just see the, the screen like warping behind mm-hmm. them, like typing on this weird, like round, QWERTY keyboard and, and stuff like that. It's it's a little production detail that I kind of love. Yeah, The fact it, that it's it's so easy to see how they did it, that, sh- mm-hmm. that sort of schlockiness of Doctor Who. Yeah, I mean, like, it dates it, but not in a horrible way. I think it's kind of charming. And it, I mean, that's that's what Doctor Who is. Mm, the fact they use charm. bubble wrap painted green back in the Tom Baker era for... I can't remember the episode name off the top of my head, but it's a pretty, like, infamous bit of Doctor Who special effects and, like, set design and stuff. Yeah. But seeing those displays get warped and stuff, if you didn't spot that when you're watching this through with this podcast, go back and have a look when uh, Matey Ashton is uh, sending out Martha and what's it in the escape pod. You can just see him mauling the screen. And every single time it cut to a shot of Martha and Thingy in that pod. Your words, Amy. Oh, they should bang. Yeah. Bang him. I think is what I said, actually. <laughs> Some, every single time. Bang him, do him, kiss because, him. Because, right, it, well, first of all, it, the episode ends with them stonging each other's faces off, which is mm-hmm. just great. But if you had basically like five minutes or whatever they had to live... And mm-hmm. you think you're going to die and you're in an escape pod with a fit girl and a fit guy and you are both up for it. Stick some pee-pee and some for JJ and call it a day, my friend. Like Amy, this is a Christian podcast. <laughs> but would you not? Would you not? No, no, you're you fully right. It, there, there was definitely that, that vibe going on. Like, 
he's a very innocent character, but there were definitely points when he's like, he's looking at it thinking, this could happen. I could like, get some. Kiss, kisses her on the forehead when she hugs him after he's, she's rang her mum. It's kind of like, yeah, he's going to try it. He's right. going to try it. And right. obviously, Chibnall went on and did Torchwood before he did Doctor Who. And I said to you, if this was Torchwood, they'd be doinking right oh, now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cheeky tickle in the back, like, you know. <laughs> this, po- this podcast is over. <laughs> in, in, in the... In the eight and in the eight years that I've been with you, at no point have you called it a cheeky tickle in the back. Cheeky tickle in the back. Oh no, I meant a cheeky tickle in the back of the pod, not a cheeky tickle no, in the back. No, no, like no. I, I, I'm taking your first answer. <laughs> no, that, you, you were implying that Martha likes it in the bum. No, you heard you heard it here first, folks. Maybe, maybe he likes it in the bum. I never said I, who was tickling who. Whatever floats your goat. Let's just yeah. Exactly. So, Funnily enough, uh, listeners, that's actually one of my kinks. I want to do it in an escape pod. What? Cheeky tickle in the bum? Uh, cheeky tickle in my back, please. Okay. Why not? I mean... Well, fun fact, we're going on a cruise on our honeymoon and uh, they have lifeboats, which is close enough. No, we're not going on a cruise. I look, no. I like cruises, but we're not I've never on been on one. Oh, they're great. Highly recommend. No. But back to, back to Martha getting tickled in her bum. <laughs> right at the end of the episode, when they leave and, and uh, he's saying, you know, oh, there's never been someone I could really trust. And then suddenly it's like, it could be Martha because, you know, we've just had this near-death experience together and we, I didn't get my willy wet in an escape pod. Damn, I need to try again. And um, it kind of like, you know, implicitly pops to that sort of question, like, can we make this a thing when I see you again? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a, as much as as much as Martha reciprocates and they obviously kiss before she boards the TARDIS and leaves. Take him a, with you. No, there's a part of me that wanted her to be a bit like, oh, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit sudden, isn't it? And oh, almost be a bit of like a, a bit of a taste of her own medicine. Yeah. And I know that obviously that's not the direction her arc went and I'm not saying that that should have been where it went, but it's like that... That could have been... We're kind of just always discussing how things could have been a bit more interesting. Like, make the quiz questions the crux. This could have been her being like, no, wait, this is... This is what I'm like with him. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God. And I'm then she a, just jumps on the TARDIS and says something and the Doctor's looking all moody. I'm a manic, obsessive weirdo. <laughs> like, oh, so this is what it feels like. Ah, oh, I can see why he's not been reciprocating my advances. Maybe I should, mm-hmm. you know, shouldn't bother... But then again, it leads to some good jokes with Captain Jack in uh, Utopia, which we'll get to. So yeah, there's that. And like finally, on the on the implicit things to discuss, did you know that if a son is sentient, it's also a closet sexist? Eh. Yeah. What? Well, look at it this way: the son only infects men and kills women are you chatting some crap right now no i'm deadly serious you are chatting right infects infects what's it what's his name again corvett corwin corwin infects corwin kills uh the medic which was funnily enough played by annette robinson who went on to play rosa yeah i thought i recognized her kills her then goes and kills what's it he does kill a guy well, it, he kills of, he, Ashton to use him. Technically, yes, but like infects Ashton, like technically keeps his body alive, but then kills both the women. 
infects Ashton, infects the Doctor, and it's like maybe. And obviously, I know that I know that I know that McDonald like kills us, sacrifices herself. Maybe Chibnall is the sexist. I mean, that's, maybe that's kind of implied. I wouldn't I wouldn't overtly say that, but it's it is like okay, yes. Yeah, so my opinions are the, my own men, opinions. Stay like unvaporized. Okay, that's. I mean. Uh, that's a I, good decision to make. I feel like it's probably because women's screams are more terrifying. Because True. if you had a man screaming going, it doesn't sound quite the same. Is that how men <laughs> scream, maybe? Is that how it works? <laughs> that's, my, that's more Voldemort than anything else. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> um, it doesn't sound quite the same as a female scream. I mean, why do you think female screams are always used in horror films? Because it's more terrifying and more high-pitched. Um, yeah. So the fact that the medic was a woman is kind of like, okay, first one of the bunch. I can see that. The fact that the second one was a woman was because she was stupid and muted her microphone. So, I mean, really, she I mean, as soon as that. she pressed it, it's like, well, she's dead. She's see dead. See you later, mate. Um, but I think you're looking too much into that. And oh, I know. I'm fully joking. We're going to fully just ignore that. Well, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that straight back <laughs> up again because CS on Twitter asks, how do you think the episode would have been received if it were released today? Because this is, as we've, as we've kind of sort of agreed, this is, a, this is a very middling episode of Who. It's not bad, it's not good, it's not like super memorable, hence we're going to remind you which one it is all the time. Again, the similarities to... Impossible Planet, Satan Pit, like, visually, definitely don't help it. But, like, yeah. if this were released today, it's kind of... It's, it's the beauty of this podcast, is it's like, we do have nostalgia goggles on, but I try not to have them on at all times. Mm-hmm. Usually I have them... If, if the nostalgia goggles are on, we make it very clear. Mm-hmm. That usually it's because we're simping over somebody. But then I feel like we're them. very good at separating nostalgia from quality. Yeah. Um, but I think I think the way that I've mentioned things today, the way that like the the quiz questions get pushed aside, the, the plot holes with Ashton just somehow disappearing and thing the, the plot getting distracted and stuff, I think it would still be a very like standard, like not forgettable, but it's just an episode that's there. Yeah, I mean I feel like it would be received probably much the same as a lot of Chibnall's episodes have been received, which is just eh. Show's okay. dead, re. Eh? I think there'd be the show's dead. I think there'd be more people <laughs> complaining about the fact the captain of the ship's a woman. No, no, I don't think oh, so. Oh no, this day and age, absolutely. Let's, no, let's, uh, let's not let's not question the kind of people you get no, whinging about Doctor Who. I feel like it wouldn't be moaning that the captain was a woman so much because I feel like that's kind of the whole <sighs> It's difficult because the captain's not a title character. I feel like it's it would have just been kind of like yeah okay yeah, but I feel like the reason people moan about the doctor being a woman is because it's just a very different reason to how why they would moan about the captain being a woman. Do you know what I mean? Like they're moaning for the sake of moaning, basically. And absolutely, I don't think it would have been received quite so bigoted because i feel like it's just an episode that would have been forgotten yeah like and so i think it would have been received much the same as kind of some of chibnall's i think the dialogue would have been criticized for it being this that and the other um 
But if the episode had been written today, it would have been written solely by Chibnall. And so therefore it... <laughs> There'd have probably been a lot more baggage going yeah, on. Yeah, you can never determine how something would be received because you can't take the exact thing and plonk it in today. No. It's not really feasible to... Think. But I think it would have just been kind of like, eh, it's fine, take it, move this on. This episode was literally released 10 years before he took over as the showrunner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a whole different kettle of fish. But- now, something that both Misha and Melissa have said on Twitter, and I'll read out... Uh, Misha's question because Melissa just kind of references it yeah so Misha asks is this the first reboot episode where the Doctor is in actual intense danger what are your thoughts on this episode concept in terms of serving to humanise the Doctor particularly for a companion who is as smitten with him as Martha Mm. and they continue to say that Midnight did it better which I would I'd agree with yes to humanise the Doctor do you mean mortalise the Doctor I think that's probably what they mean yeah right I was going to say but I, I do understand yeah, yeah. like humanising mortalising like mm-hmm. yeah um sorry what I'm confused so what basi- was the question so basi- again <laughs> so basically it's like is this the first instance in the new series the new era where the Doctor feels like fully like gonna kick it yeah I think so I think they're obviously they're in, narratively there are it's almost like every week the doctor finds themselves in a position where they're going to be in grave danger but this is i think the thing that sets this apart like when you look at somebody like eccleston when he's in when he's put in these positions i think back to the parting of the ways when it's the emperor saying coward or killer and he just fully chickens out and he's like i just i can't do this mm-hmm. like feeling so lost on it like the doctor he sends rose away he knows it's a losing battle this like the doctor being sat in the uh, or laid in the um cry- the cryo chamber being like I'm scared. Yeah. That yeah. It, it is it. Not brought it up because I knew it was being brought up in questions, but like that is quite. It's it's almost like because this episode gets so overlooked, it is a a pretty punchy thing alongside like setting up the 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 latter half of series three. Mm-hmm. It is a punchy moment that gets yeah. lost to time. Definitely. I think it's one of my more... I don't know. I don't know. Is it one of my... It's kind of difficult because I think it's a really, really poignant moment for his character to admit that he is scared of something because it doesn't happen very often. Um, no. And, yeah, so that's where the kind of humanisation aspect of it comes in is like he really is truly terrified he's gonna die or be overtaken by this thing um and so what was the original question i'm a little bit like i've lost the i'll question. read it again so is this the first reboot episode where the doctor is in actual intense danger what are your thoughts on this as an episode concept in terms of serving to humanize the doctor right i see um i like it i do think it's like the first time we've properly seen we've probably been concerned for the doctor's fate and the fact that you've got that ticking clock in the background kind of adds to the intensity of the moment um but the fact that it's also something he can't fight off by being an alien because that seems to happen a lot is that he's just oh i'm an alien i can fight this off it's fine um, I can shake out all the radiation from my foot. What yeah. episode was that? Oh, that was that was Smith and Jones, wasn't it? Smith and yeah, Jones. it was. I think. 
see the uh, MRI machine. Yes, with the straw bitch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, straw bitch. So, <laughs> um, but, but yeah, yeah I, so I, yeah. I definitely yeah. think it is the case because obviously we see the doc. We've seen the doctor, as I said, like passing the ways as an example, up against a threat that's gonna it's gonna end him. But with it being the Daleks and stuff, like when it's a really big threat, we know it's a thing. It's like when the doctor's on um, the, pl- the the town called Christmas on Trenzalore. I think mm-hmm. that was right. And it's like we know that this is the end of the doctor. Like that's a given. But this is. As much as we know it's not going to happen, it's one of the more convincing moments where you think, wait, this could actually happen. Like, yeah. this could genuinely happen. So, yeah, it's definitely one of those, definitely one of those episodes that does that. And I think bringing that up again, that point where the Doctor's feeling really scared, obviously it wouldn't have necessarily worked with the escape pod because of Martha not being able to be there with him when he's saying, like, I'm scared, because he wouldn't have admitted that to the captain or no. to whoever else. But... It's like if they hadn't had the escape pod thing and they had like, if Ashton was, if um, uh, Corwin, Corwin had woken up by this point and was making his way to the uh, to the med bay, we had the two guys at the front trying to get past this crux question that was really difficult. And you have that happening at the same time as Thingy banging on the door and the doctor saying he's really scared. Like if they managed to almost align all of those big threats and make it all punch into this one like concentrated five minute segment it would have made the stakes feel really high but they kept like uh-huh. ramping it up it's like waves it was like and it's ramped up oh no they've, they've rectified it oh it's ramped up again oh no it's gone again it just mm-hmm. it it felt muddled it felt unfocused and it's like if they literally just aligned everything it could have been a lot punchier of an episode yeah. like all those moments where there were when um corwin at the beginning was in the stasis chamber and his hands were moving to sim- signify that he was alive i don't know what it is just the music obviously implies that it's like, this is where you should be like, oh dear, the guy's still alive. Mm-hmm. But his hands were just like flopping down to his sides. It was as if he was like relaxing his muscles. If he was like, they showed both of his fists like tensing. Stiffening up. It would have yeah. been different to be like, it's aggressive. This just looks like he's like, meh. Mm-hmm. And then the moment when uh, McDonald pulls Colwyn out of the airlock and they fly into the sun, like those, those kind of big hits, they don't really land. Mm. Because there's so much like, it's not hammy. It's just not. Nothing's been built up enough for it to actually land and really, really work. So, yeah, I feel yeah. that. It's, yeah, it's it's unfocused. It's it's not terrible. It's passable. It's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and and obviously the 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 main thing is is like does this overtly echo what's what's coming? And in in retrospect, not really. There are definitely little. Uh, chibisms chibisms chiblets that was what i called it chiblets chibnall's um, unfired guns except in this episode he didn't have any unfired guns he just had uh underfired guns uh, yeah underused underused he yeah, definitely unfired, underfired. everything he aimed he shot but he did yes. not hit the target yeah i guess that's probably the so, best analogy we'll go for yeah so yeah it's a, it's a bit of a muddled mess and it's like in retrospect that there's there are definitely chiblets to look forward to, to look, i say look forward to but like you can see that arrive in full force when he's not got any boundaries he can mm-hmm. just do what he wants but at the time it's like okay it's an episode of doctor who 
Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of what it is. It, Forty two, as much as you have the setup for what's coming in the in the final three parter, mm-hmm. and there's a bit of sort of some character development for Martha, but otherwise, yeah, it's an episode of Doctor Who. Yeah. But we're getting through the series now because next up, we have got Human Nature and the Family of Blood. Yes, I like these episodes. Which is it's weird. It's like they're the episodes that. It's obviously it's one of the best two parters in the in in Russell Davies era, mm-hmm. and yet it's also the episodes that I I just don't I almost don't ever think of. No, not at all. I'm excited to go back to these. Yeah, I and watch really them again. the concept and the where we come into the episode, if I remember rightly. Yes, is so and just and the performances as well. Yeah, like, it's so good. Off, grief. What's the word I'm looking for? It throws you off so much because you come in and you're like, hang, hang on, what the yeah. hell is going on? And it's yeah, I I love it. I love these next two parter. I think it's a honestly two parter. The rest of this series, as much as we're going to be obviously reviewing it on this podcast anyway, we've got some bangers Mm -hmm. literally human nature family of blood so two-parter so ready for next time get them both watched because we don't do individual episodes we do stories as a whole yeah um then we've got blink (gasps) blink which is literally the best episode of new who yes overall yes um dalek is up there for me as well obviously blink Um, is just so good and then we have utopia sound of drums last of the time lords Mm -hmm. so it's like it's yeah, we'll, we'll obviously we'll, we'll look at series three as a whole when we get to the end of the series and we talk about those last three episodes. But it's yeah. like we have got some back to back bangers back coming our back way. That probably bangers. probably doesn't help forty two that it's like kind of stuck in the middle of like eh, okay again it's fine. one of those then, episodes woof. that was a filler because it needed to be there basically wasn't it? But it wasn't a filler like Boomtown. No, don't no, ever underestimate Boomtown. No, 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 it wasn't. That's f- that's 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 a paddling. Boomtown yeah. is good. Don't it, don't at me. It was more of a filler like. Um. Ah, uh, brain. Episode. Brain. Is that filler brain? <laughs> okay, Amy's brain's turned to mush. I think that's about. I think that's how we called it. The one with the scribbles. <laughs> oh, fear her. No, that's, fear her was just bad. No, that's what I mean. It's not it's a filler just, like fear her, but it's not a filler like Boomtown. It's just randomly kind of in it's the middle too. What yeah. could you compare? I'm trying to think what you could compare it to. Um, Lazarus, Lazarus Experiment, literally the episode that came before it. Yeah, probably. Probably. Anyway, that is about all we have time for today. So if you would like to send in more questions, I'll obviously do the little prompt on Twitter over mm-hmm. on at Castapod on the Twitters. Or if you're watching on YouTube or listening on YouTube, I should say, then let us know in the comments below any questions you've got for Human Nature and the Family of Blood. That is the right way around, I believe. Yeah. I always get them mixed up. Always get yeah. them mixed up. Um, you know, please do let us know those questions on the old socials. And speaking of the old socials, Amy, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Ames underscore Elizabeth. And you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at PickupChangeToe. And on YouTube, if you're listening on, you know, a podcast platform, just search mm-hmm. Rich Hudson and you'll find me. And yeah. I talk about Doctor Who and stuff because, yeah, that's what we do here as well. It's pretty cool. But thank you all very much for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed our excitement for what's to come next year and also talking back about 42. I really, Mm -hmm. really appreciate all of you guys listening to us and supporting us. Thank you for not hounding us. It's always appreciated. I'll always say it. 
Thank you very much, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Take care. We'll see you soon. Human nature, family of blood. It's coming Mm -hmm. your way. Take care. See ya. Bye.